So last Sunday was Easter Sunday, and we were talking about why Jesus, what was it? Why did Jesus come to earth? Why did he come and, and give his life for you and me? What was the reasons? And I gave you three reasons last week out of the many reasons why Jesus came. Number one, really, he came as a ransom price, the price that you and I could not pay. He, we, we were powerless to pay that price, so Jesus stepped in and paid that price for us. The second thing is to offer us repentance from our sin. The wages of sin was death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And he came to restore relationship with God. Two great reasons. The third one was to give us everlasting life with God for all eternity. Um, we all will live forever because we are a spirit, soul, and body. We will all, whether you know God, whether you don't know God, you will be in eternity forever. But if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will be with him in eternity forever. But there are more reasons why Jesus came to earth. And I just really want to home in on this one briefly this morning. Jesus also came to destroy the works of darkness. It's so important that we realize that the enemy is defeated. Very often we empower him by what we believe about him or what we think about him or we think he's a big devil and God's a little bit bigger but not much bigger. Actually, he's puny, he's minuscule, he's a created being, whereas God is God. And there is a huge difference between what's created and what's God and it always existed. And Jesus came to restore everything that had been lost. If you've ever lost something in the journey of your life, if you've lost something in the spiritual journey, the Bible says when the thief is caught, he has to repay sevenfold. I want to encourage you today to believe for your sevenfold increase. Because there are things that have been stolen. There's been marriages that have been stolen. There's children that have been stolen. There's, there's health that has been stolen. And when the enemy is caught, according to the word, the enemy pays back sevenfold what he's stolen. And I believe it's really important that we understand that in our life. Listen to this. This is what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. It says this. He who sins... Is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, for what purpose? Because sin entered the world. For this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came into this world to destroy the works of darkness. And now that we know him, that we've accepted him, that he now lives in our heart, the works of the enemy has been destroyed around us and in our life, that he has no hold in us. That is why you've been called and declared by the word of God that you are more than a conqueror. I don't know if anyone saw the fight last night or heard of the fight last night or even thought about the fight last night, but Tyson Fury, if you're wanting, if you're wanting to watch it on catch-up, <laughs> Spoiler alert. No. Anyway, let's go back to another fight in another generation, right? Um, but but when, when, the, when the winner gets his check and he goes back to his wife and she takes it from him, guess who's the more than conqueror? She is. She's got the check, but he did the fighting. She got the check, but he did the working out. She got the check, 
And she likes the benefits of it, but he had worked with sweat, guts, and, and stood in the ring to win that fight. That's what Jesus did. He won the fight so that we could walk in the victory. You are a more than conqueror. You are an overcomer. According to the word that we can live in this life in triumph. That is on the winning side. Not a car for those who used to drive a triumph or a motorbike for those who used to drive motorbikes. It amazes me that we as believers who have been rescued from the dominion of darkness and we've been brought into the kingdom of the son of his light still walk in times in our life where we feel we're losing where we feel we're on the losing side, where we feel like we're drowning, where we feel like life has become so much or too much in ourselves, in our life. I tell you, every time and any time you feel like you're getting to that place where you are being overwhelmed by circumstances, the Bible says, now look to the hills. Where does our help come from? It doesn't come from a hill. It comes from the Son of God who's there for us and will never leave us nor forsake us. And we've got to look to the cross where the victory was made. We've got to look to Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. And in the midst of trouble, I think it's Psalm 139 says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will bring me safely through. When I'm going through tough times in Psalm 84, it says, though I walk in the valley of Baca, though I walk through the valley of tears, you will bring me through and turn that time of tears into pools of rejoicing. See, it's about where we are identifying and whom, to whom we are identifying with. I believe it's so important about what we identify with and who we are identifying with. And this morning, I really want to home in on what and whom we identify with. Do you identify with the first Adam? No, not that Adam. <laughs> Adam's just there. Not the flesh and blood Adam. The, 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 the Adam who was the first man on the created earth, do we identify with him as a living being? Or do we identify with the last Adam who came as a life-giving spirit into our world? See, it's so easy. Let me read this scripture. I'm going to jump ahead of myself way away. 1 Corinthians 15. And so it was written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. Because we are human beings, it is so easy to identify with Adam as a living being. When we hurt, we respond. When we're fearful, we, we, we withdraw. When we're anxious, we, we get fr frightful about what may be coming next. When we're, when we're excited, we get all bubbly. It's so easy to identify with the first human being, Adam. Why? Because he was a living being, and we are human beings and living beings. It is so easy to identify when things go wrong, you respond in a negative way. How many of us do that? Okay, me, I'm the only one. <laughs> there we go. When something goes wrong, we may respond in a negative way. 
But that's according to the flesh. That's according to the first Adam. It's according to being a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Who do we identify with most often? Is it the first Adam or the last Adam? This is so, so important. Listen to these thoughts. If we're existing in this life as mere living beings, are we processing the world around us as a living being? Do we process this life as a living being? Are we connecting to God as a living being? If you are, I, I would honestly say that's what religion is. It is man trying to connect with God through a man-made method. It is what religion is. Therefore, you're connecting to God as a living being, but not how God would want you to. Are, we, are our behaviors consistent with that of a living being? Do people look at you in your workplace and say you're different? I love this about Sam. I'm sorry. I know you're here today. His sergeant, all his, all his buddies in his room know that he will not swear. He, they've tried. They've tried all manner of ways. He, they can't get him to swear. The corporals have come up to him and said, you don't swear. <laughs> and then they just swear and swear and swear in his face and he takes it. The other day, his sergeant was saying, this is what I want you to say and go and say it to him over there. No, Sergeant. Then his mates came up and said, Sergeant, this man doesn't swear. And I tell you what, when you're living out of your spirit and not out of the living being, because as a living being, we can do what we're told. We can follow what other people say. We can blend into the crowd. But when we live different, the world around us, and the Sergeant turned around and said, Before you leave here, I'm going to make you swear. Do you know what? I don't think they will. You may have to break an order, but I don't think they will. Why? Because you don't live as a living being. You live different. Are we living different to the world around us? Are we responding different to the world. I've become so good, in my opinion. I've become so good. When someone cuts me up on the road, I do not drive after them now, show them my little black book that I bought specially to, to pretend that I was a policeman taking their number. I don't do that now. I don't get out of my car when I see someone that's behind me on their phone. I don't stop my car in the middle of the road, get out, walk back there, bang on the window and say, stop. I don't do it anymore. I've calmed down. Honestly, I have. I didn't do that with the window, all right? I didn't do that on the window. I've calmed down a little because I've realized that I can't be like the world around me. Okay, that's not what everybody does. I know I'm a little bit extreme. But we can't behave like the world around us. We have to be different. Now, we can't, we're not all perfect and we don't get it right all of the time. But there should be a difference when people look at you. They say there's something different about you. 
Why? Because you are identifying with someone who's different. So are our behaviours consistent with that of a living being? Because if we are processing everything through the lens of a living being, which is in the realm of the fallen man, the first Adam, we're in trouble. Or are we living by our new creation, which is made alive by the Spirit of God? Are we living out our spiritual journey? Are we living out the spiritual character? Are we living out... See, the Bible says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. If Christ is now in us, guess what and guess who should be coming out of us? When the person made the straps, uh, WWJD, they were talking about what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do in this situation? It was a reminder, a little tag on the arm. What would Jesus do? How would Jesus respond? What would Jesus say? And that is how we need to view our life in this situation. Is it right to take those screws from work? No one will know. But is it right? What would Jesus do? Was it right to shout and swear and have a a go at the guy and the the driver or the lady behind who just whatever? Is it what Jesus would do? No. Therefore, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you, I know the scripture says he will now quicken your mortal body, but if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you and I, our responses should be different. Listen, are we processing the world around us from a kingdom mentality? Not a worldly mentality, not with the flesh mind, but with a heavenly mindset? Are we connecting to God, not out of the flesh, not out of religion, but in spirit and in truth? Because Jesus is seeking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So therefore, if we are responding with the right identity, we're going to respond to him in spirit and in truth. Are we being led by the Spirit rather than being led by the flesh? This is how we do it. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. If you want to say, Lord, I want to, I want to live out of who I am in the Spirit more than I do of who I am in the flesh, this is how we do it. Hebrews chapter two, uh, 12 verse 2 says this, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The key to living according to the new identity that we have in Christ is looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. How did Jesus respond. I love the fact that when Jesus walked this earth, he gathered gathered himself around those who he picked and chose to walk with him. That's why I believe Sundays are so important. 
When we can fellowship together, let's be together. Let's have connection with one another. Let's grow our gathering one with one another. That's what Jesus did. He started with the 12. And then he went on and there was the, the, the 70. Then there were the 120. Then there were the 500. And then the church was born. And then there were 3,000 added on the day of Pentecost. And do you know what? how big the church is today? Multiple millions. Why? Because Jesus started choosing his first disciples. And that's what we are. We are his disciples. Looking unto Jesus. Jesus went around healing all those that were sick and oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Guess what we as a church, whether it's in our home group, whether it's in the church, whether it's out in the street, you know, everyone, Jesus didn't just go to church or the tabernacle or the, 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 the meeting place to heal people. I believe in healing in the church, absolutely. But it's not just about calling people at the... Jesus was walking the streets and they were bringing flocks of people to him. There's healing in the street. There's healing in the church. There's healing in our neighborhoods. We've just got to be available. I love the fact that Peter, uh, Peter and, and John were going to the, 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 the temple at the hour of prayer. They were going to the church, if you like. At the hour of prayer. But as they went, they came across a man who could not walk. And he said, silver and gold of our numbers, such as I have. Do you identify with what that song we sung earlier? That he is the healer, but do you know what? He's placed healing in you to touch others with that healing power. It's God working through us to touch others. He's, every one of us have the have the ability through Jesus to be able to pray for someone for their healing. Why? Because that's all it is, is prayer. It's not me healing someone. It's not Jane healing someone. It's God moving through to touch someone else's life. Do we identify with that? Are we outworking that in our life? Are we living our lives based on the principles of this world or based on the word of God and his kingdom? Are we living according to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus or in accordance to the law of sin and death? Do we live with a new creation mentality? Behold, old things have passed away. All the rubbish, all the junk, all the things that you couldn't live up to. Behold, all things have passed away. But also all things have become new. You, when you gave your life, the day that you gave your life to Jesus, Erica, that day that you gave your life to Jesus, now that may be a few years ago now, but that day, Erica, that you gave your, you became brand new. Nothing, no past, no rubbish. In God's eyes, you were a brand new person. Do you know how Jesus still looks at you? Brand new. He doesn't see the mistakes that we've done since then. He doesn't look at the, 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 the great things that we've done. He sees you as brand new. Pat, he sees you as brand new. You know, it's, it's like it's, you know, my, my car outside, it's, it's 20, nearly 20 years old. When I first got it, I got it, it was 14 years old. Most people, because it's a, Chinese, a Japanese import, most people thought I'd got a brand new car. But it was 14 years old when we got it. 
but it still looked brand new. Do you know what? When God looks at you, he sees you brand new. I am a new creation. No more in condemnation. Here in the grace of God, I stand. It's not through works. You are brand new because of his grace. You remain brand new because of his enduring grace. Oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Oh, praise God that he found us, that we encountered him, that our lives have been impacted by him, and we are forever changed by his grace. Seeing ourselves as God sees us matters. You may look at your life and you may, you may say, according to the first Adam, I've been a failure. My marriages have failed. My children's upbringing has failed. My finances, my business plans, my career thoughts have failed. You may, you may have a mentality of, of a failure, but God looks at you and says, you are a great success because you chose me. In fact, I chose you first. See, how are we viewing things? If we're viewing things by the first Adam, we've blown it many times. But if we're viewing things by the last Adam, I'm pure, I'm holy, I'm adopted as a son. He's, he, he's put me, I'm engraved in my father's hand. My name is engraved on my father's hand. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I will be there to the end of the age. This is the wonder of our creation, the new creation, this wonder of salvation. It's beautiful. How great is our salvation? No wonder the Apostle Paul said this, that I may know him. See, the key is looking unto Jesus that I may know him. How well do you know him? Oh, I'll tell you what, the way to get to know him is through his word. But how well do you know him? Does he mean everything to you? Is he at the center? Not on the peripheral. Is he at the center of your life? See, if, if, if Jesus is at the center, his word will be, prayer will be, worship will be, fellowship will be, reaching out to the lost will be, they will all be at the center of your life because that is our commission in life. Is he at the center? Or is he a bit of a tag on to our life? If I have time, I, I, if, if I've got enough time at the end of the day, I'll read. If I've got enough time, if, if, if we haven't got these things in our life, I, I would be at church more. If I, if I didn't have, is he, Jesus, at the center of it all? Jesus at the center of it all. Is he at the center of everything? Is he at the center of the words that you speak, of the things that you watch, of the way in which you respond? Is Jesus at the center of it all? Because he wants to be. And sometimes in life we need to to center our lives. 
We need to reshuffle, refocus, reposition ourselves. And, and today, you may be here today, and you may be saying, I, I don't know if Jesus is really at the center of my life. Then, then don't leave this place until you've centered him. Until you know that he is at the center of your life, the center of your thinking, the center of your thoughts, the center of your heart, that he is the altogether lovely in your life, that for me to live is Christ and to die is great gain, that you center him because he is the one that should be at the center of our life. Paul said this, that I may know him. That word know I remember a good friend of ours many years ago, many, many years ago, called Lindsay Mann. He shared a message on the word no. And it means yada in the Hebrew. And that word yada is an incredible word. It can mean to have an understanding of or to know of or to know about. You know, I, um, let me just, I'm going to pick you, Carl, Okay. I have an understanding of Carl's journey. I know of Carl, and I know about Carl. But this word yada goes a step deeper. We've had numerous conversations, we've had phone calls, we catch up briefly on a Sunday. But the word yada goes even beyond that encounter of friendship at a level. And it goes to this level of a husband and wife covenant relationship where the Bible says Adam knew his wife Eve and they conceived. I know Jane and we have a deeper relationship than me and Carl. Thankfully. (laughs) She's much better looking. (laughs) It's a deeper... Paul said that I may know him that I may have a deeper understanding, a more intimate, more personal, a covenant relationship, that I would go beyond the surface level, because that's where you may be right now, or you feel that's where you're. You're at the surface level. You're the veneer, the covering. But you know what? When you go deeper and you get to know that person, you get to know them so intimately, so personally, you know what they're thinking, how they're feeling, how they're responding, when they feel uncomfortable, when, they, when, they're, when they're going through mood swings for wherever, and you know them. That's how Paul said that I may know him. It's deep unto deep. Do we know Jesus beyond the veneer, the facade? Do we go deeper into him? Do we go into the chipboard? Do we go into the guts? Do we go into a deeper relationship with him where we know him and what he's done for us and who he is, how magnificent, how glorious, how wonderful, how splendorous he really is? Do we give him all the glory and all the praise? In adoration and worship for the one who was and is and is to come. Worthy is the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the earth. Do we give him everything of who we are? Because the deeper we go, the more we know him, the more he means everything to us. Yada. 
It means to have a relationship with a person. And very often a covenant relationship to the one who is known. The more we know Jesus through his word, through times of prayer, through times of teaching, the more our lives will be changed and conformed to the image. See, that's the key. We've got to, we've got to reprogram our natural thinking from living according to the first Adam. We've got to transform our thinking by the word of God so that we conform to the image of the last Adam. Someone's often, I've been asked this often and I've asked myself over and over again, what is the key? And I think I've just got it here and now. What is the key why some men and some women of God have been used in incredible ways for power, of power, for healing and touching the lives of sick people? What is the key? It has been conformed to the image of Christ in us. The more we conform to that image, the more we know that Christ in us moves through us and touches the lives of others. If that is the key to signs, wonders, and miracles, then Lord, help me get a greater picture and revelation of the image of Christ in me, which is the hope of glory. The more we get to know Jesus, the more we'll be able to identify areas in our lives where we're not living true to our new identity. The more we know him, the more we'll be able to identify areas in our lives that are not living true to our new identity, and we can allow the Holy Spirit to work on them. Those areas that we call sin or our mistakes, or our things that separate us from God. Do you know what? Nothing separates you from the love of God. You may back away, but he says, here I am. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Neither height, nor depth, nor um, principality, or power, nor the things of this age, or the things to come. Nothing can separate you from his love. But we back off because we make mistakes. We feel guilty and condemned. We feel the shame. But you know what? When we get closer to him, he'll reveal those areas that we need to work on so that we have that beautiful relationship with him. I'm going to say this, and then we're going to close with, a couple, uh, with a, another scripture. The sin we tolerate will become the sin that destroys us. Sin was never meant to destroy you. But areas of our life that we don't deal with will eventually destroy your life. Let's deal with those things. Let's sharpen as an iron sharpens an iron. Let's rub shoulders with one another so that we get the best out of each other. So that we allow the Holy Spirit to work on those areas. Search me. Search me, Lord. And show me those things that need to change. Let's not just keep going through the motions of Christianity. Let's go from glory to glory and allow God to shine through us. Where am I going to go to? I'm going to move on. I've written this down. One of the most important spiritual discoveries for us as believers is to see ourselves as God sees us. Remember, you're forgiven, you're righteous, you're holy, you walk with his glory, 
See, if you're identifying with the first Adam, you won't recognize that man. If you're, if you're walking with the last Adam, you'll know that the glory that was given to Jesus, he's now given to you and I. The glory of God is resident in us. He said in the word, be holy, just as I'm holy. It was an impartation of holiness. It wasn't, I'm going to work myself up to getting holy. He said, no, 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 be holy as I am holy. You won't recognize that in the first Adam as a living being. But as one who's been transformed into the likeness of the Son of God, you recognize holiness in your life. This is, this is your identity. Who you identify with is vital in the journey. I'm going to read two scriptures here. Romans 8 verse 29. We've, we've jumped one just so you know. Romans 8 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be what? To be conformed to the image of of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus was the firstborn. Guess what? Generations down the line, I may be one billionth, but I'm one of those whom he, he was the firstborn. I'm a, one of those many other brethren, and so are you if you know Jesus. And do you know what? It says to be conformed to the image of his son. That's the journey, to be more like Jesus. The key for this week in your life isn't how many chapters of the Bible you can read, but how much like Jesus you are by the things that you have read. Oh, you can read the whole Bible and still not be changed by it. But if you read one passage, one word from God can change your life forever. The key to this week is not how much you read of God's word. It's how much of God's word is changing you. It's how much of God that you become the mirror image. That when people look at you, they say, well, you're just like Jesus, aren't you? What a compliment that is. What a compliment. You behave just like Jesus. You respond like Jesus. Then in 2 Corinthians, it says this. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. But we, with all... Sorry. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Come on, church, let's yield to him. Let's have, you know, you can be, you can, we can all be stubborn, can't we? You know, just, just the husbands and the wives are nodding their heads, all right? We can all be stubborn. We can all be stubborn. But here it says, hey, come on, let's not be stubborn. Just as by the Spirit of the Lord, allow him, allow him to take you on this journey where you come to know him. Allow the Spirit of God to take you on this journey where you get changed from the glory to glory, where you become more like Jesus than you are today because you're no longer living according to the first Adam but you're identifying with the last Adam Jesus and we're conformed to that image I'm, gonna, I'm just going to let me skip right through I'm gonna, I want to finish this with, I want to finish with this scripture I didn't want to leave this scripture kids church going to dislike me 
See, we're not talking about behavior modification or life actualization, but spiritual transformation. We are being transformed. This is, this is such a key passage. Ephesians 5 verse 8 says this. For though we once, sorry, for though once your heart was full of darkness, now it is full of light from the Lord and your behavior should show it. Isn't that good? It doesn't always though, does it? Come on, let's be real in church. For though once your heart was full of darkness... Thankfully, we're not full of darkness. We just sometimes behave like the first Adam when we should be behaving like the second Adam. And it says, for though once your heart was full of darkness, now it's full of light from the Lord and your behavior should show it. Because of this light within you, you should do only what is good, right, and true. This is from the word of the Lord. Learn as you go along what pleases the Lord. Come on, this is an encouragement to every one of us in this room today. Learn as you go, as you go along, what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless pleasures of evil and darkness, but instead rebuke and expose them. It would be shameful to even mention here those pleasures of darkness that the ungodly do. But when you expose them, the light shines upon their sin and shows it up. And when they see how wrong they really really are, some of them may even become children of light. That is why God says in the scripture, Awake, O sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ shall give you light I think it's just an amazing verse it's all about our identity and who we're identifying with which Adam which Adam are you going to identify with this week and take this scripture learn as you go along what pleases the Lord and when you do things that don't deal with it because he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I just trust that that was a word into your heart this morning. You may be here and, and you've walked with God in a religious way, but you've never centered him. You've never made him the center of your life. You may be here and you're unsaved and you've never acknowledged God to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. And today you've heard something that's really spoken to your life. I want to pray a very simple prayer because this is how the journey for all Christians begins. It begins with a simple prayer. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, you will be saved. That simple. But it opens up a door. It opens up from you living just according to the first Adam as a living being to becoming a life-giving spirit where everything changes. So this morning, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if you want to accept Jesus, if you want to receive him in your life, I'm going to ask you to pop up, your prayer, pop up your hand. I want you to pray the prayer, then pop up your hand this morning, okay? So let's pray together. When I pray, you pray after me as we just acknowledge God in this room today. Jesus, I come to you today. And I thank you that Jesus came as the first, second Adam. Today, Jesus, I want to be like you, to walk with you, 
to have my sins forgiven, to have my past removed, so that I can know you and to know and have a relationship with you. Jesus, come into my heart. I ask in your name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, and you prayed it sincerely in your heart, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand as an acknowledgement that you prayed that today. And then pop it back down. One, two, three. If you prayed that prayer, thank you. I'll see that hand at the back there. That's awesome. I see that hand at the back as well. There's two hands at the back. Is there anybody else in the room you say, yeah, count me in? I don't want to go through a religious experience. I want to know you. I'm going to count down from five. If there's anybody else, there's two hands that have gone up. If there's anybody else in the room, you say, yeah, count me in. Please respond to God today. I'm going to count down from five. Feel free to respond. Five, four, three, two, one. Father, I thank you for those that have responded. Lord, as a child and as an adult, Father, I pray that you would minister into their lives today. Lord, that you would fill them with your love and your goodness. Lord, that you would remove the scales of of their understanding. And Lord, that they would know you and go deeper with you in Jesus' name. Amen.